what was it about fifth grade in particular that dare was the thing like i don't remember that in like high school right like fifth when, grade when, fifth <laughs> grade like high school's when you're going to be like having access to it more so like you're going to have money you're going to have like the opportunity but fifth grade like what did they think we were doing on the playground right Today we're going to be talking about Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Woohoo! Now, if you've not read this book, consider this your spoiler warning moving forward. Before we get too far into discussing this book, though, I believe you have some news about this book, didn't you, Kate? So it was announced in 2018, which is prior to the publication of this book, might I add, that Daisy Jones and the Six would be made into a 13-episode miniseries on Amazon. Reese Witherspoon is one of the executive producers, which really isn't a big surprise because she's been producing and starring in so many book adaptations in the last few years, but I think it'll be good. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I I can't believe that it got picked up, like optioned or whatever, before it ever even came out. I know. That happens every now and then, and it always shocks me that Mm -hmm. they got an advanced copy and that people already want to make your book into a movie. Yeah, that must feel so good as an author. I would imagine, especially if you're a debut author or or somebody who only has a few books out. Yeah, definitely. And to be picked up by somebody famous. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, because Reese Witherspoon has done some amazing books. Like, she's put some really good ones on her book club list. And, like, she she was the one who did Little Fires Everywhere, right? Yes. Yeah. So she's she's got good taste. In in the case of Taylor Jenkins Reid, Daisy Jones and the Six is not her debut novel. She had, what, like Mm -hmm. six prior novels? The most famous one being The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yeah, I've seen that one everywhere. That one and Daisy Jones and the Six have been the ones that have really brought her into the mainstream. And more recently, Malibu Rising, which came out earlier this year. Yes. After having read Daisy Jones and the Six, I really want to dive into her other books. Yeah, me too. So, Kate, would you like to give us a brief summary of what this book is about? Well, yes, yes, I would. So Daisy Jones and the Six is the story of Daisy Jones, a beautiful and talented young girl, and the Six, a band led by Billy Dunn, and whose members include his brother, Graham Dunn, Warren Rhodes, Eddie Loving, his brother, Pete Loving, and Karen Karen, 
Uh, it follows their collaboration, their rise to fame, and what led to their untimely breakup. So I know I read this before you did, but what was your first impression? My first impression was definitely something along the lines of, is this book going to be for me? Because mm-hmm. it was a little outside of my usual reading sphere. Yeah, it's historical fiction and I like historical fiction, but I typically gravitate towards historical fictions that are set anywhere between like the 15th and 19th century. So this right. is a little bit more modern than what I usually like. But overall, I ended up giving it four stars. And I think the reason that it lost a star is not its fault, totally the fault of the world, because I finished (laughs) reading this book on like March 30th, 2020. So I think I think I was probably just being a little mean, being a little critical. And you were like, no star for you. (laughs) Not live up to my expectations. Yes. Be a little petty. I need to revisit it because it might be worth five stars. I think I might have just been in a way because it was March 2020. And you know, that is so valid because how many times have both of us felt some way, good or bad, about a book and we come across it later and you're like, you know what? I actually kind of hated it or Mm -hmm. I really loved it. And you go and change your, your rating. Yep. So what about you? What were your first impressions? Mine was, let's see what all the hype is about. I'd been hearing about it for a while and I read it about six months after it came out. I took a chance and thought, why not? Let's see. Now I do read more contemporary titles, but not as much historical fiction. Even so, I wasn't totally sure about the subject matter. Not totally my vibe, but it ended up blowing me away. I think it helped that I went into it without any real expectations. Mm-hmm. And just, I was just curious about it. So it was a five star read for me and a book that I still recommend to people quite a bit. Yeah, that's fantastic. I do think it is a wonderful kind of like bridging book between various different genres or like reading tastes that it like for me, it's a little bit more contemporary than what I like. So it mm-hmm. it can help me move towards more contemporary books. It could help you move towards more historical. The format alone can help people with moving towards things that are a little outside of their comfort zone. Sure. Yeah. And I had a feeling you would like it. I knew it wasn't your usual style, but I had a feeling you'd like it because you are my classic rock queen. So I was like, Sarah, you need to read this book. I know you will like it. And you did. And I was so happy. Yeah, You were not wrong because I mean, Fleetwood Mac is like (laughs) my everything. Stevie Nicks is my queen. So I mean, you're not wrong. Exactly. Yeah. See, sometimes you gotta take a chance. Yep. That's right. You're absolutely right about format too, because we both read it differently. And I think that added something to how we experienced the book. I listened to it and that's what made it so unique, I think, because it's told in the form of an oral history and it reads like a transcript for an interview. Mm -hmm. And the audiobook has, if I counted correctly, there are 21 narrators in this book, which is practically unheard of in yeah. just your average audiobook. It's usually one, maybe two, but this, there is a different narrator for every single character. And I think that added so much to the story. It made it so rich to hear all of these different voices. 
mm-hmm. and there were a lot of famous people who were narrators too. I mean, Jennifer Beals, Benjamin Pratt, Judy Greer. Yeah, so I read it. I just couldn't get into the audiobook version. And I think for me, I've read a lot of interview transcripts on NPR. So for me, that was basically what this was like, just reading those interviews. And I know a lot of people have struggled with this format because it is like that. It's a transcript. And people Mm -hmm. have said that they have a hard time visualizing the story in that way. And for me, I, I was visualizing it like how I visualize when I read those interviews is that I'm watching the interview. Like that's how you have to visualize it. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I I have a paperback copy. So having listened to it first, physically reading it kind of dampened the experience. But I, I totally agree with that. It You have to read it like like an interview. And that's mm-hmm. the easiest way to, to get through it. Because once you get used to the format, this book is stellar. Yes. And it is very similar also to reading a play. I'm a theater mm-hmm. kid. I, I read my first uh, play when I was like in like sixth grade. So I'm very used to that kind of format. And I kind of read those without ever really, you know, missing anything. So if you've ever thought about getting into reading plays, this is a a great book to, to start with, because it'll get you used to that format. I think what really makes this format shine is that it adds so much to the nature of this book, because you never get the internal thoughts of anyone like you would in a traditional book, because basically all these characters have much more control over their narrative than they would otherwise i totally agree they can say all they want about how they experience something but you're never getting what they truly thought Mm -hmm. that internal monologue like you mentioned yeah and you're never seeing anything actually develop everything is happening after the fact right so it's not like something is going to change later on Mm-hmm. You you hope that it will. You hope for the best because they're recounting this story, but it's all as it is and there's nothing that can be done about this past that they all lived through together. Mm-hmm. So I know that format is really hard for a lot of people to break through, but I think it adds so much to the story. Absolutely. So why don't we get into the real meat of this book? Yes, the substance. Yes quality substance. So this book's main plot centers around 70s era music industry, specifically rock and roll. And there are some very clear inspirations from some well-known bands, like you mentioned earlier, Fleetwood Mac, Mm -hmm. and that idea of severe friction between bandmates, especially Mm -hmm. a male and female lead, like we see. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins Reid specifically did say that the relationship between Billy and Daisy was inspired by uh, Lindsay and Stevie from Fleetwood Mac. I can definitely see it. There's a lot of friction and passion, but great music comes out of it at the same time. So it's like these fans who are going nuts over their songs have no idea what's the driving force behind this. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And I think this book does a good job of representing that era in general. So often we see the past portrayed in a very cliche manner with typical generational tropes or styles and whatnot. But this book really brings it all back down to earth because you're getting a more somber, grounded experience from Mm -hmm. listening to them talk about their past. Yeah. And I mean, and it does such a good job of showing 
they don't say sex, drugs, and rock and roll for nothing because it's like everybody at that time that was involved in the music industry in the 60s and 70s, they were all dealing with demons of some sort. And this novel uh, really shows how they're just not sustainable lifestyles, like all the destructive patterns. Yeah, that's so true. It's amazing to see bands who were popular then and the people who are, you know, in their 70s and 80s now and the toll that that kind of lifestyle took on them if they're still alive mm-hmm. and they're prime examples of what that life was like. Mm-hmm. And some of these artists that are still making music today, I think have kind of lost a little bit of what made them special back then. And it's, I don't want to say it was the drugs and the alcohol, but maybe it was the drugs and the alcohol that gave them that edge back then. That's a fair point. And it's interesting because there was a much higher caliber of talent with like real musicians and singers back then. So it mm-hmm. is interesting to think about how much their their talent might have been affected in that way. But you can't deny that live performances back then were a thousand times better than they are today because sure it was all about talent you're not seen instantly like you are today so one thing my mom said because you know she grew up in that era is that you could be not as attractive and still be popular because it was more about talent than looks so i think the drugs and alcohol were probably more acceptable because people just cared about talent they wanted to dance while they were high (laughs) yeah Something else that I want to touch on is Daisy is one of the main characters in this novel, obviously, and she is very much inspired by Stevie Nicks. And I think the thing that's important to remember for Daisy is that she is messed up and, Mm. you know, between the drugs, the alcohol, her life, um, the abuses that she's gone through, she's messed up and she can never fix herself if she wants to continue to enjoy the same level of success because being broken is what made her entertaining. Mm. And there's a quote uh, towards the end of the novel that says, we love broken, beautiful people. And if that isn't the truth with like all media, I don't know what is. I completely agree. Think about even in the last couple of years, how many documentaries we've seen, like Demi Lovato, she Mm -hmm. put out her documentary about her struggle with alcohol and drug addiction. There was a documentary with Lady Gaga and her health struggles. So people like that connection because it Mm -hmm. it makes them more real. And that's that I think is something that has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's changed in recent years. I think if Daisy Jones had been real about her problem, she would no longer have been successful. They would have just moved on to somebody else. Whereas nowadays, if Daisy had been real in like in the examples that you gave today, we would have supported her and raised her up. So it's like it's very different now versus then that we still we still love our broken, beautiful people. But I think back in like the 60s and 70s, loving those broken, beautiful people was just more like moths drawn to the flame, whereas Mm -hmm. now it's more like we support each other. Yeah. So so current events, Simone Biles, like I'm here for that girl. I will defend that girl, whatever it takes. Yes. They were more idolized back then for being broken and beautiful to the extent where people only wanted to see them that way. Drugs and alcohol were accepted, but not the consequences of that. That's right. Which we'll get into in a little bit. Yes, we will. That is a whole other segment. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. 
still going along with this whole like behind the scenes of the music industry, kind of coming back to like the Fleetwood Mac inspiration, very much obvious in Fleetwood Mac, especially like the rumors era, and also very much obvious in this book between Daisy and Billy. It shows just how complicated love is. Like most of the time, it makes absolutely no sense. And it for sure is at play in the music industry, in this book, just in general. It's so complicated. Yes, very, very complicated because it's not just those two people. Nope. It's not a straight line. There are other people involved. There's personality differences and like in this book, creative differences. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's messy. It's complicated. I saw a movie once that talked about passion. And it was specifically in regards to knowing if your significant other might have feelings for somebody else. And it talked about the level of passion when they talk about that person. And there's a very fine line between hate and love in passionate forms where you can be in love with somebody and that's all fine and dandy. But it's the same kind of passion if they hate someone. It's still mm-hmm. there and it can turn like that. Mm-hmm. Hate and love are two sides of the same coin. Exactly. And I think we see a prime example of that with Daisy and Billy. Absolutely. I think this is a, a great time for us to start talking about human nature as we see it in this book and the way that different bonds are tested. Yes, there are so many bonds in this book that are made and broken because you have a long history with a lot of Mm -hmm. these people. You have family members, longtime friends, relationships blooming and dying out. So there's a lot of trial and tribulations Mm -hmm. when it comes to that in this book. Yeah. Like we said, it's just human nature because it's like If you put enough people together for long enough, and especially if you have them work on something together, those bonds are going to be created and they're going to dissolve. It's just what happens. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that there's no greater test against humans than being in a band. How many bands do you hear about breaking up because of infighting or drama, creative differences? Or somebody's going solo and getting more attention. So major props to any band that has been together for a long time. And the same, mostly the same members. Every Mm -hmm. now and then somebody leaves. But in those cases, it's not as dramatic as you might think it is. Because there are some bands where I'm like, wow, they are still together and rocking it out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, any kind of band, whether it's a rock band or a pop group. You spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time with those people. Absolutely. And it's like that whole like creative differences sort of thing. And you see it for sure in the book where you've got all these different people. So you've got, you know, the bassist, you've got the guitarist, you've got the keyboardist, you've got the drummer, and they all have different ideas about how they want to make music and how they want to showcase their talents. Mm -hmm. But then you will have whoever's in charge, you know, your band leader, your lead singer, whoever it may be, the, the manager, whoever who is like, no, 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 this is how it's going to be. And while you do need that stability, you need someone who is going to lead you and, you know, preserve like that, that level, like you need that, that level of stability in anything like this. Eventually, people are going to have their feelings hurt. And if they can't handle it, that's 
that's going to break up a band. Exactly. And we see that very clearly in this book, especially with the six. Mm -hmm. Billy is the ringleader. He is the one that manages everything, puts all the arrangements together. And the other members have input. But I distinctly remember one of their albums reading about this where the other band members kind of took charge and arranged everything and they worked well together. Mm-hmm. But then Billy comes in and he hears it and he's like, yeah, okay. And he ends up changing everything completely. And mm-hmm. they were so upset by that because they felt collectively that they had done a really good job. And then he just blows everything. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of thing causes a rift because he had an idea about what this band looked like and disregarded what the other people in that band were thinking. Yep. Now, of course, there's always extra bonds. And so there's not just the bonds between the band members, but there's going to be bonds, with family members and relationships as well. And we mentioned that Billy and Graham are brothers and they, they originally start this. They start off as the, the Dunn brothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, initially it, it's Billy and Graham, yep. right? them, them against the world. And then slowly you add these other people and it's working fine. But eventually Graham is like getting pushed to the side. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. Especially once Daisy mm-hmm. gets involved in the whole mix. I think that's when Billy dug his heels in and the division really starts because it's mm-hmm. no longer Billy and Graham. It's Billy and Daisy and there's drama. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's Billy's other big relationship, Billy and Camilla, his wife. And I'm yes. also starting to wonder, is, is, is Billy the problem here? A hundred percent. Billy is the problem. Billy's the problem. Billy and Camilla are married very young. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, they love each other. Like they, they are at least initially very devoted to each other. Camilla loves Billy so much and she fights so hard to keep her family together. But that doesn't stop Billy from cheating on her multiple times. Yes, he gets really wild when he's on tour mm-hmm. and he absolutely loves his wife. But for as much as he wanted to be a musician, I don't think he could handle that life. And he just lost his mind while on tour. And I think the main thing that caused Billy to spiral like that is because uh, Camilla is pregnant. Like that's that's when he first cheats on her. And it's because his own father left him when he was little. So he doesn't he never had like that good father figure. And he doesn't think that he will make a good father either. He he suddenly doesn't think that he's worth this like dream family that he all of a sudden has and he falls into this self-destructive pattern yes so the human nature that we see goes beyond just the characters that we're reading about it's their past as well because like you mentioned billy and graham have a father who abandoned them and billy obviously had a harder time handling that than graham did and also daisy and her family, mm-hmm. her parents, who essentially just didn't give a fuck about her, and she was off doing her own thing at such a young age, that contributed to their characters and the adults that they became, who then meet each other. So overall, this book is just a great example of human nature and how we behave in certain circumstances. In conclusion, humans are messy. 
Agreed. Humans are messy and life is complicated. Incredibly. But because we see so much of this stuff, these bonds, the human nature, like all that sort of stuff, so well portrayed in this book, that is really emphasized by how character driven this book is. Yes. This book is so well written and has the most fully realized and complex characters that I've ever really come across in a book that it actually had a lot of readers questioning if Daisy Jones and the Six was an actual band that they'd somehow never heard of. And it reads like a nonfiction because it feels so real. Mm -hmm. It's pretty impressive. And like there, there is no plot. There is essentially mm-hmm. no plot to this book. Like it is, you know, there's an overall arc that this book is the rise and the fall of a band, but you're not reading it for that plot. Because I mean, we, we all know that kind of story of like the rise to fame and then the fall and the, the breakup of a band. You're reading it because there's just something so real and human about all of those characters. Exactly. The overall story is nothing new. It's been done. It's the people that you're getting to know. These characters are unique. And the way that they interact with one another and the decisions they make that affect not only themselves, but everybody else. Mm -hmm. It makes me curious about the other books by Taylor Jenkins Reid that she can write such realistic people. And Mm -hmm. I love being able to read a book like that where it feels like I'm just watching a documentary or watching something about a real person Mm -hmm. yeah i mean they just all felt so real like so such fully fleshed out characters absolutely and even though there are quite a few characters in this book one of the biggest themes is feminism and sexism Mm -hmm. because you have some very strong female characters represented and they all show that strength in a different way so we have daisy who literally gave no fucks and did what she wanted and nobody was going to tell her otherwise yeah every choice she makes is her own and she tries to have complete control of her life to varying degrees of success that's true her life is very up and down throughout the mm-hmm. book and then there's karen who only really cared about the music and that's what she was there to do. She was my personal favorite and she flies under the radar most of the story, but she exists in this messed up world with so much more skill than what Daisy does and agree with it or not, but she exerts her choice and control when she decides to have an abortion towards the end of the story. Mm-hmm. I wish that we had seen more of Karen. Me too. She seemed like she had it together. She knew what she wanted and what she was going to do. Exactly. She was almost like Daisy, but in a much more controlled way. Yeah. She could get there sensibly. Yes. And then, of course, there's Camilla, who was softer than the other two, but Mm -hmm. it was a quiet strength. And she held her own against Daisy and Billy, and she... She's one of the most prominent people in this book, and she's not even in the band, which shows Mm -hmm. how much of a presence she had in all of their lives. Yeah, she is a near perfect foil for Daisy. Like there aren't many ways in which they could be more different. 
But at the same time, Camilla is still such a strong character. And like you said, she's so prominent. She's not even a member of the band, but Mm. she's driven by her love and loyalty for her family. And she's going to do whatever it takes to keep that family together, even if it means breaking up the band. Yeah. Yeah. Her family is the number one thing. And these women, despite their differences and, and motivations, by and large, they continue to support one another. Yes. And I think that is so important. So, so important. A lot of times you have strong females and sometimes they're pitted against each other or it's a competition and it doesn't come across that way. You know, they continue to support one another, especially with Daisy making all of these really bad choices. Instead of Karen and Camilla writing her off, they tried to help her, you know, because she is part of their life and they want to do what they can for her. Yeah. And it's also especially impressive considering the time period and especially the industry and like how much sexism was prevalent at that time. Oh, yes. There's a a great quote from Daisy towards the beginning of the book uh, that goes something along the lines of, I was supposed to be the inspiration for some man's great idea. I had absolutely no interest in being at somebody else's muse. I am not the muse. I am the somebody. I love that. That is tattoo worthy. I am the somebody. Yes. Daisy is an incredibly strong character. However, (laughs) and this may or may not be an unpopular opinion. I'm not entirely sure. For all of her strength, I did not like Daisy. I thought she was. Okay, good. We're usually on the same page about this kind of stuff. Yeah. She made a lot of really dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think she could have done better. But I think this speaks to the writing and the character structure and development of her. Mm -hmm. That it's almost like that's the point. That she came from a messy life. And so therefore she had her own messy life. And her choices held consequences for other people yeah i feel like daisy is kind of an unlikable character just Mm. because she's she's just so messy she's so wild and i mean throughout the entire book there are so many times that daisy is expected to be a certain way just because she's a woman and she's just doesn't and it's like I respect that so much that she's just like her own person and taking full control you know full autonomy or whatever but at the same time she goes so far with it that it's just like it it's too much yes and you make a great point that you can appreciate her strength as a woman but still not agree with her choices or like her mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be one or the other that's right Speaking of life choices, we can come back around to substance abuse. Yes, there is so much substance abuse in this mm-hmm. book. Yes, naturally, naturally, given the subject matter. Yes, I mean, the 60s and 70s are synonymous with drugs and alcohol, especially in the music industry. Now, for me, I've known so many people in my life who have struggled with substance abuse. And I love how this book 
portrays this very sensitive topic because it doesn't shy away from why it's appealing and why people get tangled up in it. But it also shows how destructive and unsustainable it is. Definitely. We see some very specific examples of how substance abuse from different people mm-hmm. can affect your life in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were times throughout the novel that Daisy was only functioning because of the drugs in her system, because she had become so dependent upon that that she just couldn't function without them. But obviously, they were also killing her because it was just, it was too much for Daisy. Yes, yeah, kind of like a double edged sword where they're obviously killing her because they're bad, but at the same time, would she have been able to survive withdrawal from that? They mm-hmm. wouldn't, that would have been horrific for her. Mm-hmm. And I would say she was definitely the most out of control out of oh, yeah. everybody. She was unreliable and she could have seriously hurt herself mm-hmm. or others. Or others. Yes. And one of the things I, I appreciate in this book is several characters attempt rehab at multiple different times throughout the book. And it it definitely highlights how rehab and recovery is totally in the hands of the individual. So it's like someone who wants to get clean will have to fight to do it. Like they have to want it because if Mm -hmm. you don't want it, then it's just too easy to fall back on it and, and, you know, fall back into your ways. And it's like, you've got to hope that you have a good support system to do so. And in the case of Billy, You see where he tries repeatedly and you know he has Camilla. He has a good support system, but Mm -hmm. he still falls back into his habits because he doesn't truly want to get clean. I completely agree. I mean, he went wild on tour mostly Mm -hmm. and he did have more people to help keep him grounded and clean and his own reasons for staying sober, especially compared Mm -hmm. to Daisy. But he is solid proof that addiction and recovery that's a messy process it's not linear it goes Mm -hmm. all over the place and you never know Mm -hmm. and it's sometimes it's so much more than just wanting it to like I know I just said that you really have to want it to get clean but it's also the strength of the person too yes that's absolutely true there's that extra drive that they need it's not just mentally and emotionally sometimes there's that Mm -hmm. physical aspect because if you are physically in a lot of pain in some way that's going to break you down mentally Mm -hmm. and especially if you're severely addicted to something that recovery process is gonna fucking suck so you have to be willing to do that and even if they go through it they can still relapse so in conclusion Don't do drugs, kids. Stay clean. Sarah, you had mentioned to me previously about how the author's books are all connected. Yeah, so her early stuff excluded from this, but The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones and the Six, and Malibu Rising are, are all connected. So Mick Riva, who appears at one of Daisy's wild parties is also one of the husbands in the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And then 
Uh, the newest novel by Taylor Jenkins Reid, Malibu Rising, tells the story of the Riva children. So, huh. yeah. And there's apparently a few other connections between the novels. So they're all taking place in like the same universe. So I, I really love that she's writing this entire like pseudo series about like the false glamour of fame and all the destructive tendencies and behind the scenes sort of stuff. That is really cool. I like that. Yeah, me too. Okay, now I sure really I- have to read her other books. <laughs> right. I'm not sure if I'm going to go for The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo first. That one's like 50s era, like old Hollywood sort of stuff. Mm. And then Malibu Rising. I'm not sure. if Maybe I'll go for that one next. I'm not sure. But that one's uh, 1980s, like supermodel sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. More books for the TBR pile. Of course. So speaking of the TBR pile, uh, what we're going to be doing from this point forward is we are going to be giving recommendations. So we're going to be adding to your TBR pile. Oh, yes. So Kate, what are you recommending this week? I mentioned a few episodes ago that I was reading Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Booley. My apologies if I pronounced that incorrectly. And I cannot say enough about how amazing it was. I flew through it in a matter of days and I was reading like a hundred pages a day and not even realizing it. And that's how you know a book is good when you just fly through it. It was a five-star read for me the entire time. It is a young adult book, but it didn't have any of your typical tropes or whiny teenagers. All of the teens felt like real kids in real situations. So I highly recommend it to anyone who likes a modern day thriller and also wants to learn more about indigenous culture. I'm glad that you liked it so much. It was excellent. I know you're not as big on YA, but I do think you would really like it because of all of the rich Native American culture that's in it. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Might have to check it out at some point. I have a copy if you want to borrow it. Yes. What are you recommending to our listeners? So I'm going to recommend an old favorite of mine because I recently went to a local library's book sale and I bought 10 books and I regret nothing. Uh, but one of the things that I one of the things that I picked up was a copy of The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova, which mm. was my favorite book in high school. And I read it many times over and my poor original copy is losing pages like they're just they're they're falling out so it was you know a little bit of kismet it was it was meant to be that there was a hardback copy at this book sale so I picked that up and I I just I love this book so much so I'm definitely recommending it because I kind of forgot about it until I got my hands on it again Uh, but what it is is kind of a different take on a vampire story it's a little bit dark academia you've got multiple timelines going on uh, that eventually lead to Dracula (laughs) Nice. I I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm familiar with it and I've been curious about it. So I might have to check that out too. Yeah, it's really good. It's long. I forgot how big (laughs) this book was. It is hefty. Yes. Yeah. Well, it looks like that's it for us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find us on Instagram at the Beyond Books Podcast and on Twitter, Beyond Books Pod. Give us a follow or leave us a comment or review. Your support means so much to us and is what helps us grow. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye everyone.